Masechet Nedarim, Daf Mem He. We begin the fifth pedic. This will be a short recording because uh, we already did Amud Aleph and the previous recording, and Amud Bet only has three lines of the beginning of the Mishnah on it. So we'll do the entire Mishnah today, and then we'll leave the Gemara for the next stuff. So the Mishnah says, Hashutafin Asurin likanes lechaser. If you have two partners that jointly own a field, we'll call them A and B, and they both made vows against each other. A said, "You cannot have any benefit from me," and B said to A, "You cannot have any benefit from me." Since they are both prohibited to each other, neither of them can enter that joint courtyard. Right? A cannot trespass on B, and B cannot trespass A. They cannot benefit from, from each other. That is the opinion of Tanakama. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, Rabbi Eliezer disagrees and says, no, they can both enter the courtyard because A will say, I have a right, I partially own this courtyard, and therefore I have a right to enter my courtyard. You cannot make a vow against me not to have a right to my own land, all right? In the general case, I can't prohibit you from entering your own land. And so, yeah, it's true. Even though you own um, uh, in, in partnership this land as well, but you cannot, that cannot take away my own right to enter my own land. That is the basic principle. So, therefore, to be able as it permits. Next case, Ushnehem Asurin Lahamid Rechaim Vitanur Ul Gadel Negolim. However, all the Tanaim, even Rabbi El Aizer, agrees that if they do make a vow against each other, then they will be prohibited from setting up a mill or raising chickens in it. That's because, you know, if we have a joint partnership in some land, um, I, I can't just go and set up a mill in the middle without your permission or raise chickens. We have to agree together. This is a significant addition that I'm adding to the, to the field that's going to prevent you from using it, let's say, for something else that you want to use it for. So since this is something significant that I would need your agreement for, and now um, I, uh, you said I can have no benefit from you, therefore I cannot benefit from your part ownership of the field and use it for my purposes of a mill or chickens. This is different, however, from just walking on my field where um, I have an absolute right to walk on my field. And even though you have are, part, are half owner of the field, that and I can't benefit from you, but that cannot prevent me from walking on my field. I don't need your permission to walk on this joint field, but I do need your permission uh, to, uh, to use it in a significant way like putting a mill there where I'm going to, lots of people are going to come to use the mill. I may um, charge them for using the mill or raise chickens. I'm starting a business there. And so that, in that case, they can prevent each other. <clears throat> Good. Next case. Now, what if the vow didn't go both ways, but only one way? Um, a said to B that B cannot have any benefit from A. So B is prohibited from receiving any benefit in that case, uh, they, and they jointly own this field. Uh, so B um, cannot enter the, the the cannot enter the field according to Tanakama. This would be the same as the case before, but only half A can enter the field. There's no vow against him, but A told B that you can't benefit 
so then he cannot enter the field and so according to Tanakama even entering the land is a problem that is trespassing However, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer Yachol hu lomar lo Letoch sheli ani nichnas Ve'ani nichnas letoch shelecha Rabbi Eliezer, just like he argued before When it went two ways, same thing when it goes only one way uh, B can say I am permitted to enter my own field and I'm not going into your field so you nothing that you can do to prohibit me from entering my share of the field and so it is jointly owned so it's not like this half is mine and that half is yours we jointly own, jointly own the entire thing um, but uh, so even though yes I'm entering uh, something that is B is entering something that belongs to A and therefore technically deriving benefit but the vow can't apply to B's own right and prohibit B to, from entering the land that he himself does partially own. Um, okay, the reason why there's so much commentary by the Ran on, on this uh, Mishnah, and that's why we have only a few lines of it, is because the Ran is going to get into the uh, 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 technicalities of how this could work and gets into Berira, uh, which means that later on, once they do separate and, uh, um, and they, they, can, uh, they can decide that, you know what, this half is mine and this, this half is yours, um, so then retroactively, what's known from now which half is which half so he's getting into all that but I don't think um, that that mechanism of Abedira, which is complex and is developed in the Talmud uh, and, uh, and other places, is necessary for this Mishnah. The Mishnah does not bring in that language, and therefore I think we can explain the Mishnah in a more straightforward way, um, as we just did. The next line says, This line would seem to go back to the Chachamim, that even according, although, according to Chachamim, it says that B cannot enter the field because A made a vow, that B cannot have any benefit from A. And nevertheless, the, the sages, the court, will force A to sell his half of the field, uh, uh, to sell his half of the field to someone else or to B so that B can enter his field. Uh, the point is that in the first case, when they made a vow against each other, then they were equally prohibited from this shared field. So they're still on equal grounds. And if they're on equal grounds, okay, well, they can jointly decide that they're going to sell the field or split the field, and that way they can each enter it. Um, or not, they can stay stuck. But here, there's an imbalance. It's unfair that B cannot enter the, the land, and A can. And so therefore, we tell A, listen, you made this vow. It is binding, according to Chachamim, and B can't enter, but it's really not fair to him. And so therefore, you know, you, if, if this vow is going to continue, uh, then you have to sell your piece of the land so that B can come in. Next case, Haya echad min hashuk mudar be'echad mehem hana'a lo yikanes lechased. Now we bring in a third party, C, and so A and B now are the partners, they own, jointly own this land, and some guy C is prohibited to receive benefit from either one, let's say uh, from A. A says to C, you can't have any benefit from me, that guy cannot enter the, the, the field um, because there's a prohibition. A partly owns the entire field, he jointly owns the entire field, and if C comes in, he's violating that vow. Even though he has no prohibition from B, and so technically you might say, well, B can invite him to be his guest, but no, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, B, um, uh, uh, so um, uh, uh, even though B has a right to come in, 
but uh, C does not. So this is consistent with what Chachamim said before. A has an absolute right to prohibit. He can even prohibit B from entering if he makes a vow. So certainly he can prohibit C. Uh, who doesn't own, who has no ownership in the land. That's Chachamim. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Amir Yachol Omar Lo L'toch Shelcha V'Elcha Ani Nichnas V'Ani Nichnas L'toch Shelcha Here we see to what extent Rabbi Eliezer goes in his opinion that the C can say to A, um, I'm not going into your land, I'm going into your friend's land, right? I want to go into B's land. And he doesn't mind if I come in and not going into yours. So that's quite amazing. So right, just to review, we have A and B who are joint partners in a piece of land. And A tells C, I make a vow, you can't have any benefit from me. And so that's true, C would have a problem, but C can go, still go into the land just like B can. And C can say, I'm, going, I'm, I'm using B's pass to come in and uh, he doesn't mind if I come in and therefore A, just as he doesn't have a right, according to the Eliezer ben Yaakov, he doesn't have a right to prohibit B from entering his own land, so too he wouldn't have a right to someone's B's friend uh, to enter into B's land. Oh good. And now um, uh, yet another variation. A tells Mr. B, I'm not going to give you any benefit. Okay, so that means B is not allowed to receive any benefit from A. And now B happens to own uh, some land in the city, and on the land there is a, either a bathhouse or an olive press. However, so if the, we end it there, uh, so A obviously cannot go and use the bathhouse because if he uses the bathhouse, he is paying a fee and that fee is going to go to the owner, which is B. And A said, made a vow that he cannot give any benefit to B. And so that would clearly be prohibited. But here there's an extra complication, which is that B leased out this property to a third party, Mr. C. And so Mr. C, there's no vow for, uh, with Mr. C against uh, anybody. And so now the question is, can A go to the bathhouse since now when he pays the fee to use the bathhouse, it's going into C's pocket. And that's permitted. He can give benefit to C. Um, uh, however, on the other hand, uh, it is leased to B. B does own the property. Uh, sorry, he's the owner, and it's leased out to C. So B owns the property, so is B therefore indirectly uh, receiving benefit, and that would violate the vow. That's the question. So the answer is it depends on another factor. If B has a, a right to some of the profits, uh, then it will be prohibited. So that if B uh, not only leases the property out to C, but also has a share in the business, and therefore for every uh, dollar that uh, someone will pay when A goes and pays his, his entrance fee to the bathhouse, some of that, some percentage of that money will go to B. In that case, A is benefiting B directly, and that will be prohibited. However, if B has no ownership right, partnership right to the business of the bathhouse, then it will be permitted because C is paying a certain regular whatever monthly rental fee for the entire thing and it will make no difference to B for the fact that A is paying C something or doesn't pay C something. C stands to benefit 
solely, and none of that goes to B, and therefore, even though B owns the property, that's okay, A can go and use the bathhouse. And last clause, A tells to B, um, uh, entering your house is prohibited to me like a korban, um, or your field, I am prohibited to purchase your field, your field, for buying is like a korban to me. Oh, now, because he added a pronoun, we saw this uh, source earlier, and he said your house and your field, well, what if B dies, or he sells it to someone else. In that case, if he died, um, then it's not his anymore. So A only said, I'm prohibited to go to your house. But because uh, uh, B uh, is no longer alive, it's not his house. In that case, A can enter into the house, or whoever owns it, the inheritors, or whoever he gave it to. Um, or if he sold it, even though A said, I, uh, making a vow, I'm not going to buy your house, he only said, I'm not going to buy your house when it's yours. But if B sells it to a third party, A can go and buy it from that third party. Okay, that's the first half. Kunam bayit met asur. On the other hand, if when A made the vow, he didn't use a pronoun, rather he said, This house is like a korban and I am prohibited to enter it. Or he said, This field, not your field, but this field, I vow I am not going to buy it. In that case, it makes no difference, even that if the object of the vow be the owner of that field or house dies or sells it to another, Asur, A remains prohibited because he made the object, uh, the house itself, the field itself, independent of who owns it. That's the Mishnah, and we'll continue with the Gemara tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen ve'amen.